Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, We are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, hola. ciao. In Egypt, hola. in Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. Welcome, welcome, bienvenido to Orlando, Florida, into my tiny house. It's not really tiny, it's small. Um, This is my living room where I do my yoga and my joint rolling with you. So thank you for joining me this morning. We've got a very, very interesting show today. I actually found a young man who was diagnosed as a narcissist. I never heard of that. Uh, And so I'm going to share with you his part of his. It's a 20-minute video. But I'm going to share with you his testimony or his information as he confesses that he's a narcissist. You don't usually have people telling their their friends, family, or anybody that they're a narcissist. And I'm going to give you, um, share with you a situation that I had a couple of days ago where I recognized the narcissist in the, in the event afterwards. I thought I was um, the person who needed to change something, and I may have been, but the way this person talked to me, blamed me, and uh, really tried to shame me, I realized later, in fact, I woke up this morning thinking, 
that person was demonstrating narcissistic energy. And I'll share that with you without using names because I think it helps you recognize when people are doing what you call gaslighting, for one, that's what narcissists do, and want to blame you for some an action that they took instead of taking responsibility. And that's why we're talking about how it affects your health. If you fall into that energy of blame, shame, it's your fault, I'm going to control you, it can really affect your health if you don't wake up and realize, oh, I understand what this is and this personality that I'm dealing with. And I'm, I'm talking about this, Tom, because our, our Thursday host, Dr. Debbie Green, and uh, our executive producer started this uh, conversation, this talk, this teaching yesterday. In fact, I think it was a part two. But Dr. Debbie Green is a professional uh, psychiatrist, counselor, and she does an amazing job of revealing these energies and these personalities and these challenges call them challenges we have in our society to deal with, to interact with, and to have conversations with people who are demonstrating this type of um, personality disorder, if you will, imbalance. I'm going to share my own personal experience and why it's important we recognize it because it affects our health. If you keep buying into that energy and saying it's okay, and what they do, what most people do is enable them to continue to be a narcissist, then you're the one who's going to be affected by it. your health, your, your peace, your um, homeostasis, which is balanced in your mind and body and spirit. It will be affected. So that's why we're continuing that discussion, as well as talking about fear. Because the fear campaign has started again. It's got, the government, the media, they don't give up. They, they work 24 hours, I believe, to create fear campaigns. Why? Control, control, control. That's what it's all about. We, for the last three years, we had great lessons about the media, the government, and the medical systems need to control us. So that's why we talk about that on health and well-being because we want you to recognize it, let go of it, get rid of it, and bring in some power and empower yourself to be your best and to demonstrate health and well-being by uh, being the one who uh, admits mistakes but doesn't become a victim, okay? We want you to become a victor, and that's what health and well-being is all about, moving us from victim to victor because we take charge of our health. So we're going to do that here with joint rolling, first of all. This is our fly session. First, love yourself. This is, and I start this first thing in the morning with prayer, meditation, breathing, Every morning when I open my eyes, time to wake up, I see the sun's up. Deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Because guess what? At night while you're sleeping, you're shallow breathing. You're just barely getting enough oxygen in your blood. So first thing in the morning, open your eyes. Deep breath, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Hold it, hold it, and let it go. And there's different uh, philosophies, thoughts about how you exhale, whether through the nose or the mouth, 
It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Some um, yoga techniques, breathing techniques, um, insist or teach you to breathe, exhale through your mouth. Especially when you're doing what's, uh, what's called fire breath. But then other times, you're breathing only through your nose. You're inhaling and exhaling only through your nose. So try it out. Which feels comfortable for you? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to calm your body, trying to get more energy? That's going to determine how you're going to exhale. But you're always, not always, sometimes there are techniques that even ask you to inhale through your mouth. So it's not set in stone is what I'm trying to say. Not set in stone how you exhale and inhale, but generally the best way to get oxygen in the body, in the blood, in the brain is to inhale through your nose and exhale through your nose or your mouth, whatever feels comfortable. So let us get ready to do some joint rolling. I know that's why you're here. And I'm here to do my own joint. I didn't do it this morning in my bed, so I'm going to do it with you. And Time for Healing is a song by the Sounds of Blackness. I don't own the rights to this music, but I love the words to it and the, the music, the instruments, the beat. So let us just breathe in the day of April 28th, almost over, 31 days in September, April, June, and okay, so we got 31 days in this month. We're almost at the end, but this is 4, 28, 23, let's see, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 5, and 7. We're in a 3, 3 energy this morning, so number 3, swirling around as we move our bodies. Three is a triangle. It means trinity. It means um, unity. Three brings in the number of revelation. So many things about the number three that help us or remind us how powerful and how good we are. So number three, working today on how fear and narcissism affect our health. We're going to learn a lot today, as I do. I always learn a lot on when I do these shows because I'm listening not only to your voice when you call in, press one, but I'm listening to the voice of the universe, the cosmic energy, the angels, spirit, and the creator of the universe. I'm listening to all the voices that are protecting me, teaching me, and you uh, who tune in every Friday morning are part of my listening element. I'm listening to your voice when you uh, make comments. So don't be afraid to press one if you have a comment during the show. And if you're on Facebook, don't be afraid to type in your comment. So let's get busy rolling these joints. I know they might be stiff. My joints are feeling so much better lately. I had sugar last week when I shouldn't have. And I suffered from that. I'm so sensitive to that product called sugar. And so once I my joints start aching and I start getting, uh, you know, pain in places where I didn't have it. I know, I look. I always look at what did I eat in the last day or two. And unfortunately, it was a blueberry jam that I used and some other, some other uh, food item I put in my body. 
and processed food. I'm finding processed food that has oil in it. Ah, once I realized that what was in that product, I don't know if it's mental or what, but my body starts responding and talking to me. Your body will talk to you when you put something in it that is not digesting well or that is not in uh, bringing strength and power and healing to your body. So I'm feeling really uh, loose and free. My joints are pain-free. My joints are strong. My leg is strong. Everything's strong today. So let's roll these joints together, and I'll start the way. We're going to start with our chin to chest, rolling our head around, loosening up the muscles in the neck, especially after you've been sleeping. It's the best thing to do the first thing in the morning after you breathe in. Is roll that neck around. Then the shoulders, loosen up the shoulders, which loosens up your back muscles as well. And forward and back. And we do some swimming in the sea of energy, backstroke, front stroke. And then we get on our backs, kick our legs up, do the ankles and the wrists, the elbows and the knees and the hips. And we come back up and do some, uh, oh, we rub our bottom of our feet together to activate those meridians in the body. And then we come back up and uh, rub our hands, heat up our hands and press them on the back of our neck to get the vagus nerve rolling and moving. Time for healing. Get on your, uh, just start rolling with me to loosen up this neck. i 
squeeze and release, squeeze and release. Woohoo! Squeeze, go down to the shoulders, squeezing and releasing all that tension. Give it a good love squeeze. And let's shake that off and just pat down the arms. Open underarm and rub and give that inner that underarm a little massage. If you have a poof there, you shouldn't have that. That you want to rub massage that frequently to unblock that lymphatic area because that's an important area where your your body is draining toxins. So rub massage frequently under your arm and then let's pat the other arm down underneath. Rub in that underarm area, give it a massage. Tap on your thymus gland here, important part of your immune system. Rub around, tap around the breast, get those breasts massaged under, get, get a, give your breasts a good massage, squeeze. They need attention. Breasts need attention, men and women. A lot of lymphatic activity going on around there, so it helps to massage that area. And then go down to your navel area and give your navel area a good massage. That's your microbiome community. Go in one direction, circling that navel, and then the other direction. Breathe in, breathe in. Exhale, let go of all those toxins that have just been stirred up in your, in your air or in your uh, circulation system. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, and exhale. Inhale, 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 and exhale. Deeper breath this time. Deep, let it hold, bring it in. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Breathe deeper, deeper, deeper. More air, more air, and exhale. So how are you feeling now? Take an inventory of how you're feeling. Feel that some of the pain or tension uh, has disappeared. If not, you can always extend your breathing and stretching time uh, in the morning and do it as long as you have the time and as long as uh, you're feeling better as you uh, move those joints and, and massage your body. And then don't forget always to go back here uh, where the kidneys and the adrenal glands are. This is your kidney adrenal gland area right here in the uh, waist area. Give that a good massage. Thank your kidneys for doing all the work they do to to uh, filter out the, the junk in your body and help your bladder and everything else work well. Love massage, love massage, love massage. And then give them a pat. Adrenal glands. Thank you, adrenal glands. Thank you, kidneys. All right. We are ready to uh, go back to the studio now. We're going to move from my living room to my studio. See some of my plants up there. Spreading my plants around. And back into studio here where we're going to talk about, learn about, uh, marinate in how fear and narcissism affect our health because it's going on everywhere. And I found this really uh, great video of a con- the confession of a narcissist. 
that you're going to love, I think. But if you're if you're listening online and you want to join the conversation, just call in 515-605-9325 or uh, you can uh, go to Facebook and watch me on Facebook and make your comments there on Facebook, uh, Soul Purpose Healing, or my personal page. I'm on two Facebook pages, Vieta, V-I-E-T-T-A, or Vieta. There you can find. So how is everything going with you out there? I had a, um, an event happen or a situation happen that I want to share with you and ask you if you can figure out where the narcissistic energy is. Because narcissism is actually a spectrum. You might not, as you, if you listen to Dr. Debbie Green, she tells you all the details and the, the signs of narcissism, but there are some very subtle energies that people demonstrate that tell you they're, they're behaving in a narcissistic, controlling, blaming uh, way that is very unhealthy because it, instead of taking responsibility and not playing a victim role, they want to blame other people and uh, create situations that cause conflict and, are, and in many ways abuse people. So um, here's a little, um, a little clip on the spectrum of narcissistic pathology. Just as a reminder, and then I want to share this this situation that happened with me personally, where I recognized the word how the person who was I was talking with, and the the whole situation was just full of narcissistic energy and denial in some ways, blaming in some ways, and we were able to resolve it. That's the the main point when you when you recognize these situations. If you can get to a place of love, hugs, resolution, that's the whole point. Because holding on to that energy can damage your mind and your body. So here's a little um, clip on the spectrum of narcissistic pathology. Let's start with the spectrum of narcissistic pathology, which goes all the way from normal narcissism. Everybody has normal narcissistic needs and aspirations and the capacity to regulate those and realize those. There's a certain amount of narcissism and ambition, for example. You know, desire for mastery, the desire to shine, the desire to be recognized by one's colleagues and friends and, and you know, partners, et cetera, et cetera. All of those are narcissistic needs. And then there are narcissistic traits Right, And so people can have narcissistic traits in certain situations, given certain things happen to them in their life. You know, they suddenly are they're getting a lot of attention. They've gotten an award or whatever. People can have transient sort of narcissistic states depending on what's going on in their life. And they can have some narcissistic traits without having the full-blown personality syndrome. There are also different character traits, like individuals who um, are more or less masochistic or histrionic or self-defeating or, you know, any number of other traits that also complicate the way narcissistic pathology presents itself. But we don't have to go into all of that. Um, 
but there's a gradation. So you have, on the one hand, normal narcissism and narcissistic strivings. Then you have individuals with narcissistic traits, of which in our society, you know, there are many. The rise in narcissistic traits in the general population has been documented in many studies. I don't know if you're familiar with the studies that were done of college students since 1980. In 1980, there was normal college students. There were celebrities who had very high rates of narcissism. Now college students have rates of narcissism and narcissistic traits comparable to celebrities. Everyone's their own celebrity, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, Instagram. Now, that doesn't mean everyone has narcissistic pathology. You see what I'm saying? We get into pathology, in my opinion, when we get into changes in structure, internal structure, and that's why I describe the pathological grandiose self. That is, I think, a defensive formation, probably starting in childhood and maybe even in early childhood where the ideal aspects of self and other outstrip the realistic self, and that skews the whole personality. I don't think about NPD according to the DSM. I think about it as an inability to regulate one's normal narcissistic needs and therefore taking on defensive grandiosity or withdrawing into a kind of defensive, vulnerable, narcissistic state of being preoccupied with fantasy. And I think one presentation may be dominant depending on how well the person's defenses work. There are different presentations of narcissism. I see vulnerable narcissists are those whose grandiose defenses are not working so well. A sense that their life has been a series of extreme maltreatment, there's nothing anybody can ever do to ameliorate their misery, that they're unique in their suffering. And this actually is a presentation that is actually almost designed to defeat the clinician. And the sense of specialness of the individual is really in the specialness of their suffering. And that's an example of how vulnerable narcissism can present itself. There's a whole spectrum of narcissism. So that was just kind of an introduction and a reminder to us. After uh, yesterday's show with Dr. Debbie Green and our executive producer, we got a really uh, good, thorough um, uh, examples and conversation and discussion and information about this topic. But I wanted to take it another step further and talk about resolution and and how it affects our health, why we need to resolve because it affects our health, and how do we do that? So we're going to take a break. Uh, I have had so many people, and just in the last five years, show me strong personalities of narcissism, and then just in the last couple of days, I've had mild, like she said, normal uh, narcissistic energy that caused me to be um, somewhat defensive. I was on the defense. I found myself on the defense like, what, what, what? Did I do that? Uh, What, what, what? Surprised even that the person who was talking to me was accusing me of something that I didn't feel happened at all. And that's where we get caught off guard with narcissists. Gas, that's what they call gaslighting. It's putting you in a position where you think you need to defend yourself and you don't feel like you made any mistakes, yet they're telling you you made a mistake, you're wrong, you did this, you did that, and then they don't take responsibility. 
that's where if you accept those accusations, that energy, it can harm your health. If you continue to have some, and imagine if you have someone in your life like that on a daily basis telling you you're wrong, you're to blame, and then uh, they're the victim, then that's when it affects your brain health, your physical health, and then you don't even know what hits you, and that's why we, it's important to be aware or conscious that this energy is there. And then fear, fear comes in there. We're going to talk about how to how the fear, how rooted in the in that is fear, and so we we want to deal with those just those two. We could deal with so many other uh, emotions, but those two alone can cause disease in the body. And uh, as we know, over the last three years, we got media, government, and the medical system with another fear plan on the way. So we want to be prepared. And when we come back, that's exactly what we're going to do is prepare for all those negative energies out there that are ready to attack you. But when you put up your defense of empowerment, mind uh, uh, awareness, then they can't harm you. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim, of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. Are you constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is a result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams, CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's 312-315-4820. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on higher learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness session on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the Mindfulness Slash Stress Relief Coach, 
Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of Mindfulness on Higher Learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening. fear and especially narcissism affects our health. And uh, as I started out uh, explaining from the audio, there is a spectrum, which means on a scale, it's on a scale from like bad to worse or mild, let's say normal to extreme. That's what sometimes we miss is that all of us really have these traits in us at some time or the other. That's what I've recognized over the years is that I've seen extreme narcissistic. And we, and we saw President Trump as a really good example of narcissistic energy, uh, strong energy, blaming everybody else and, uh, and controlling and all that, all the things he demonstrated. Everyone is their own celebrity these days, which makes uh, narcissism more out front and and uh, observable because they, as she said in the audio, even college students are demonstrating the traits that Hollywood stars demonstrate. They're they're one of the best narcissistic um, examples. Hollywood uh, movie stars, and then even college students and and the average uh, person on social media is starting to demonstrate this narcissistic energy. So I found this young man, or no young on YouTube who was diagnosed with narcissistic something or other. So I want to share a little bit of his testimony. It's a long video that I'm going to cut short, but I want to just give you an example of someone who was actually diagnosed with this. And then I'm going to share a situation that I was in a couple of days ago that once again brought my attention to the type of personality I was dealing with on a fairly mild level but made me uh, be get on the defensive when I first encountered this personality. And then I, when I stepped back and even woke up this morning, I realized, wow, that was an example or a demonstration of narcissism. So here, if you're on Facebook, uh, you'll be able to see this individual, handsome uh, young black guy, and he's going to tell us about um, his diagnosis that I was really surprised about. I didn't even know there was a diagnosis. So here we go. Uh, Lee Hammock is his name, a diagnosed narcissist who has built up more than 2 million followers online thanks to his honest and open post about his condition. So here we go to a short testimony from Lee Hammock. Hi, my name is Lee Hammock. I'm a diagnosed narcissist, and I'm here to bust some myths and tell you what it's all about from a narcissist perspective. So my name is Lee Hammock. I have been clinically diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. I am 36 years, 37 years old. Um, I built a platform of over 2 million people on social media by, you know, discussing narcissistic personality disorder, the traits that come along with it, helping people understand it from a the perspective of someone who's actually diagnosed with it, as opposed to just getting information just from all over the internet or whatever. Because there's, you know, there's a lot of conflicting things out there about narcissism. So I feel like the best source sometimes, not all the time, is coming directly from, you know, a person diagnosed with it. 
Okay, so we've all heard the word narcissist a lot lately. Lindsay kicked things off by announcing he'd hired two psychologists to evaluate Donald Trump, who diagnosed him as 10 out of 10 narcissists. You hear that? That's 10 out of 10. I don't know what narcissist means, but if it's about me, it's gotta be good. And there have been more than a few examples on our screens. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me. But I can't help it that I'm popular. What is narcissistic personality disorder? Diagnosed NPD is when you actually go to a clinical psychologist or therapist, whoever you see for your mental health. Uh, issues and things like that when they take you through the process of, you know, seeing if you meet the criteria to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder or any other cluster B personality disorders like borderline, uh, histrionic, antisocial, and anything like that. You know, any kind of mental health issues and things like that. So it's different than just being called a narcissist. You actually go to therapy for and, you know, you get diagnosed by an actual therapist with it. What are the traits of a diagnosed narcissist? So some of the traits of NPD are, you know, a grandiose sense of self. Like most narcissistic people think that they are better than other people just because they are themselves. That I'm better than you because I'm me. There's no, there might not be any kind of qualification behind that. It's just I'm better than you because I am me and you are not. A lot of times narcissistic people believe that, that way right there. Another one is delusions of grandeur, thinking that we deserve more just because of who we are as well. You know, we think we deserve to be president of the United States or of any uh, prime minister of a country or something like that just because we are ourselves again and things like that. You know, um, sensitivity to criticism. Like, when you're dealing with a narcissistic person, toxic person, whatever, there's no such thing as constructive criticism. It's all criticism. You know, it, it all hurts. You can't correct me in any type of way without me feeling like you are attacking me personally. And things like that. Those are just a few off the top of my head. I mean, there's a, a few more, but those are typically the ones that kind of come out first. Hang on, that sounds like quite a few people I know. So most people have narcissistic traits just for survival and things like that. Just for, for perseverance and surviving in today's world. Most people are just not in just today's world, just surviving the planet Earth. Most people have narcissistic traits of just per persevering and protecting themselves anyway. But the personality disorder is diagnosed. I think there is 0.5% or 1% of the population that is clinically diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, of course, there are more narcissists out there than what is diagnosed because most people don't go get diagnosed. Most narcissists, most narcissists are not going to go sit in the therapist's chair and let them let a therapist or a psychologist or whoever tell them that something is wrong with them and things like that. So there's a difference. Everybody has narcissistic traits and tendencies, but the personality disorder is different because it's pervasive. It's, you know, it's a pattern of toxic behaviors and things like that, self-destructive behaviors and things of that nature right there. So what's the hardest thing about being a narcissist? I feel like you're not in control. You're not in control of who you are or what you're doing. You you are present of who you are. Like, you know, you I'm present of who I am. But not all the time in what I'm doing or why I'm doing the things that I do. Sometimes it feels like I'm on autopilot. Like I'm just I'm I'm here, I'm present, I can see you, like I'm talking to you right now. But sometimes it's like my body is moving by itself, my hands move by itself, and my mouth is speaking by itself sometimes. Are there any benefits to being a narcissist? Hey guys. Okay. Look, I just
delay here. We'll get back to our speaker in just a moment as things wind around. But this guy is just, I'm surprised that this guy is being so transparent. This is very unusual. That's why I'm sharing it with you. For him to even admit it is just uh, unusual. And we've got a delay here. So I'm going to keep going. Same to me in my, in my eyes, but my heart doesn't feel the 
feel the same way that it used to about you and things like that. Lee, how did you come to being diagnosed? So when I was about 32 years old, I was um, at home watching my young son. And I, was, I was yelling at my six-month-old son about how he was holding me back from life and my goals and dreams and things like that. And my wife happened to come home during that argument. And when she came home, we, me and her got into an argument, of course, because I was yelling at a six-month-old. Um, and then on her way out the door, on her way out the door, she said, it's so hard to live with a damn narcissist. And I was just like, you know, I didn't know what narcissist was. I thought it was just some kind of egotistical person. Somebody, you know, just held themselves in high esteem. So I called her a narcissist on the way out the door, and she left. And then I just I looked it up, you know. Because I, had, I looked it up, I found out the traits and symptoms of it and things like that. And I was like, dang. Because I always, my entire life, I have always felt different. I always kind of felt like I was out of place in the world just because I felt like an alien pretty much, you know. <laughs> I felt like an alien in the world because I, my thoughts, you know, I just felt like my thoughts clicked differently than other narcissists, than other human beings, than other people. So I just thought, you know, I just thought I was different. I didn't have a word for it. When I, when I discovered narcissistic personality disorder, it gave me a word or a term to describe how I felt, to describe my feelings and who I was and why I do the things that I do and why I feel the way that I feel about certain things and, and whatnot. How can NPD be treated? So me personally, I just do psychotherapy, which is talk therapy, because like I said, I talk a lot. My, my platform is talking 100%, you know? So I do a lot of talking and things of that nature. So in therapy, all you do is talk and you, you know, she asks you the right questions. It's kind of like digging, it's kind of like taking a shovel and digging, but, but it's just, you just start digging by talking, you know, and you kind of, and the, the more you talk, the more the therapist can guide you to the answers to why you do the things that you do, can guide you to the answers as to why you feel the way that you feel. So I've just spent five years talking to someone about this and being open and honest and vulnerable because I can go to, I can go to therapy. Anybody can go to therapy and talk to the therapist and lie and manipulate the therapist by giving them half-truths and things like that. I go to therapy, and I'm just telling them straight out what's going on in my mind, you know, because when I tell them what's going on in my mind, it helps, it helps her. It helps her tell me what's going on. It helps me understand what I need to work on, what I need to process for the, after that appointment, you know. So it's really, for me, what's worked best is talk therapy, just going to that, just talking it out and being open and honest and vulnerable, which a lot of people see, a lot of narcissists see vulnerability as, you know, as a form of weakness, pretty much. Can narcissism be cured? Just because I've been in therapy so long, I do feel like my control over my disorder has increased, but it, the, 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 the disorder hasn't went away. You know, my control has increased, but the disorder hasn't went away. My thought, the thoughts are still there. You know, the thoughts are still there. I still have those same similar or similar thoughts, but the control in my way, my way of reacting is better. Instead, yeah, my way, my way of responding to people is a lot better than what it used to be because I used to just react to people immediately. I didn't let them finish talking. I would just jump down their throat. Now, through therapy and working on myself, <laughs> I take I take what that person is saying, I listen to the person, and then I respond to the person as opposed to reacting to them. I still react. I still react sometimes. It's, I'm, I'm not a perfect person by any means. You know, I'm still going to react negatively or angrily sometimes when I shouldn't, but that's part, part of the process. I don't do it as much as I used to, you know, I used to be, I used to rage out and get angry a lot, but now I have months or a lot, I have long period, I have long periods of peace when I'm doing this now. You know, I have, I can have peace when I'm, you know, raging out and stuff like that. I can have peace when I'm speaking to people. 
So that's helped me out a lot on this, you know, just on this, this journey of self-development, personal development now. Let's talk about NPD and relationships. Has your narcissism impacted yours? My experience of all my relationships, so I'm still married to the same person now. She did leave, but uh, she came back because I was in therapy working on myself, you know, and show consistent change behavior. Like I tell most people, like, don't come back unless they're showing consistent change behavior. But my relationship, it ha- it's had its ups and downs. You know, she left. Uh, we've married. We gave, almost got divorced. Um because again, I I lose the emotional. Con- I used to use, lose the emotional connection because I didn't know what was going on in my head, you know. So I would lose the emotional connection from her, and I would treat her like I didn't care about her. I would treat her like I didn't love her, you know. And she felt that deeply, but she would stick around and try to fix me, try to work on me because she saw the potential in me to to love me. She's like if I listen, if I just love him, I love him harder. He'll be better for me. He'll go back to the person he was in the beginning of the relationship. But it doesn't work that way, you know. So. In the end, she had to leave because she realized that there's nothing she could do to fix me. She had to leave for herself, you know. So and now she, she's been back for about two years now. We have a, a new daughter. You know, she's a little bug, but, you know, we love her. And whatnot. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's been hard work. It's not easy. I think people, one of the main questions that I get on my platform is, can you have a normal relationship with a narcissist? And I don't think, I don't think normal exists in a world with a narcissist. I don't think a normal... You, it, it doesn't work that way, you know. Can a narcissist be in a happy relationship? Yeah, if, if, they, if it's hard work, you can do it if that person is willing to do it for themselves. They have, like, so I'm having a little trouble with the vid- uh, video. I don't have audio on this. this I, like, my wife left, and I still was going to therapy. I think that's one of the reasons she came back. I didn't stop going to therapy because she left. She left and I was still going because I go to therapy to work on myself to make everything else around me better, but I have to do it to work on myself, you know. She left and I was still going because most people, if they go to therapy, if you leave them, they'll stop going to therapy because the only reason they're going to therapy is to keep is to keep you there. She left and I was still going, you know, just like because I know therapy is not just to keep her here. It's for me to live a better existence, whether she's here or not. A lot of people have found themselves in relationships with narcissistic people. What are the biggest dangers? Okay, we got another uh, video. So I hope that you're you're really getting a better understanding of what a person deals with on a personal level. And this, as again, this is rare to have a narcissist be this transparent and open and sharing in this way. So that's why I looked at it and I thought, well, this has really got to be shared with my audience because you don't see this at all, hardly, where a person admits that they're in this spectrum. And I'm not sure we're going to get this. Well. So maybe I'll end that. We're going to go to commercial shortly. But let me end that uh, at this point because the, the audio is not working too well. And I'm not even – I'm having trouble on StreamYard. Um, but you can still hear me um, uh, on Blog Talk Radio. So I want to share with you um, what happened uh, in a situation that I was in uh, with some family members that really surprised me and yet uh, showed me the narcissistic energy interaction and so forth. So I get, um, I have, I was notified uh, by a relative. I'm not going to use names. I'm just going to use by a relative 
that when they visited a house of another relative, the bathroom was so bad that they couldn't use it. Okay, you can imagine what that might look like, the bathroom. And my grandchild was with them when they did that made this visit. And my grandchild even said, oh, I'm not going to use that bathroom. It looks horrible. And so I got notified of this, that this is what happened in this situation at another relative's house, that the bathroom was so bad they couldn't use it. And so I took it upon myself to send a text to the owner of the house and the, uh, the two owners of the house. I sent a notice to the two owners of the house and asked questions. I didn't want to seem like I was trying to tell them what to do, but I sent a notice to ask questions. What's going on here? Uh, Why is the bathroom so bad? My grandson visited this house. And you said, so I got a phone call the next day from one of the occupants of the house. And they explained to me that they hadn't been cleaning the bathroom because they'd been so stressed from work and they were actually feeling depressed. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I understand. And then they started crying on the phone. I'm like, whoa, what's this about? And so right away I said, okay, let's have lunch. Let's get together because I didn't realize it was that bad. And and I felt a little, um, uh, I felt a little bad about bringing it out that, you know, making that, uh, text, sending that text, uh, notifying them that I was aware of this situation. So I went to lunch with this person who broke down in tears about how depressed they were and how stressful work was. I went to lunch with them, crying again. He was crying. I was crying. They were crying. I shouldn't say. They were crying. I was crying at some point because I was just feeling their pain. See, I'm the empath. Uh, when when they say narcissists lack empathy, that's how I know I'm not a strong narcissist. You know, they, there's a spectrum of normal and traits, but I'm empathetic so much that I'm I'm doing I'm crying with them. So conversation, we had prayer, everything. They went back to work, and I said, "Why don't you come over for dinner? Because we haven't seen you in a while. Why don't you come over for dinner? Let's talk about it." And I said, well, "I'll invite some other people." Uh, and we'll talk about it, and let's get together and hug and all. And I said, I love you. They broke down crying again. Oh, my goodness. And this is this is some serious stuff. Uh, so at, later on in the day uh, when we came together to uh, really just talk to this person, love on this person, uh, I was told by the, uh, another individual that I should not have sent that text interfering with that household and that um, I should have left things alone, and that I was actually being judgmental. The word was judgmental, that I was being judgmental by assessing a bad bathroom, uh, an unclean bathroom, and and making a comment about what are you going to do about it, or asking questions, what are you going to do about it? And so I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm like thinking this is the best thing that could have happened since it, it revealed to me, especially that a person was really depressed and crying and that they couldn't even, you know, manage their own living space. So your comments about that, where do you think uh, the narcissist was in this situation? Who was the narcissist and how, um, how can that be resolved? It got resolved because the conversation continued. And I didn't let it go because I felt like 
the things that occurred that day where I even went to lunch, I was going to go to the beach with a friend that day. And it turned out that the weather report changed on us. Well, the day before, we said, oh, we're going to the beach. The weather's going to be clear on the beach. Let's go to the beach. My friend and I said, let's go. The next morning, I wake up, and the the weather report says it's going to rain on, on the beach in the afternoon. I'm like, that wasn't there yesterday. What, where did that come from? So that just kept me in one spot, whereas the person who called me who was depressed and crying, I was able to go to lunch with. Yes. Yes, I'm on my show. Oh, sorry. Hi. Go ahead. Sorry. So uh, anyway, so that it turned out that um, I ended up going to lunch with that person because the beach, the weather report changed. I thought, oh wow, this had to be a divine intervention. That's what my thought was because if I had gone to the beach, I would not have met with that person, would not have heard all the stress they were under at work and how depressed they've been, would not have been able to give them a hug and say how much I love you and you're going to be okay. So that was one of those uh, situations I felt was a divine appointment that allowed me to be a better listener and to um, express love to someone who obviously was not getting it. After conversations, I realized this person was really starving for some love and companion friendship, friends were dropping off, all that, you know, all these things were discovered, were happening, that friends were dropping off and that they were not having uh, the most loving life right now. But then yet I was accused of being uh, judgmental in my analysis of a house or a bathroom, in this case, that was not uh, appropriate to even be used because it was out of order. The bathroom was out of order. No one could use it because the person who lived there was neglecting it because they were depressed. And and so I'm feeling like in that situation, when someone doesn't see the divine appointment, this is how I looked at it, and we're going to go to our break. When someone doesn't recognize divine appointments that come about in an unusual way, and especially come about in a way that you're not comfortable with, like uh, interfering, that you're afraid. In fact, this is where we're going to get into the fear element. You're afraid. You accuse someone of something because you're afraid of what you'll look like, how it'll look like for you. And so that's when I started feeling the fear, the, the narcissism all come together at once. So people who are afraid of what someone's going to think. Here we go. Here's what, we, what I thought. When you're afraid of what people are going to think, because you did a certain uh, action, that's the fear that can keep you out of freedom. Now, I, I would love to hear your comments if this has ever happened to you, but this is how I looked at it, is that I had to have a conversation with pe- these people so we could resolve it. I didn't want to leave it hanging there because I felt like um, – this was result. This was the best thing that could have happened, regardless of how the information came to me and what I, how I responded. See, I responded from the information that a bathroom was out of order. With, hey, why, why is this bathroom out of order? What's going on? And then the person who informed me, well, why did you do that? Because uh, you're trying to be judgmental, and uh, you, and I, and what we ended up deciding was you make the decision to not inform me of things like that because I'm going to be my authentic self 
and respond the way, the most loving way I can, empath that I am, I'm going to respond in the most loving, caring way without fear. I'm not afraid of what people are going to think because I'm responding to someone who's about to jump off a cliff mentally. And that yet the other people involved are looking, some people will look at that in a narcissistic trait. It's all about me. You, I didn't like the way you handled it because people are going to look at me and think I'm, I'm telling too much information or blah, 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 blah. And so that's the way the conversation went. But, it, again, it got resolved because we continued the conversation. It didn't end there. I, I actually I had to defend myself because that's what had gaslight. That's what you call gaslighting, in my opinion. This my experience is that when people want to blame you, for something, and you re- and you're thinking, well, what did I do wrong? Well, it's your fault. You didn't do it the way I wanted you to do. You didn't respond the way I wanted you to respond. And yet, when you're when you're being your authentic self in love and compassion, and be especially when it's relatives, you know, this when this is a family issue, I don't think twice about uh, you know being my authentic self. Because if I can't be my authentic, caring, loving self with my family, who can you be that with? That's that's the problem. So we have to, as the as the young man said in the video, we need to work through those situations when someone points out that you're a narcissist. That's so unusual for you to get a person to get help as he is doing, and it's a work in progress. It doesn't end, and we're going to after the break. We're going to look at the fear element in this, why people do what they do out of fear versus love. I did, I responded in the way I did out of love. Like, and, and then what I discovered, here's what I discovered. When a house is out of order, especially like uh, hoarding, oh, we had an, a house in the neighborhood for over the last two years I've been here. It's finally being cleaned up. There was a serious mental disorder with that house, the people who lived in that house. And I'm just looking at a bathroom situation. When you see a house out of order, whether it's your body or your, your brick house, usually there's a connection to the brain, the mind, the emotions, that something's going on where they don't feel like cleaning up their environment. And so my, my response to Seeing something like that, just like the the hoarding house in the neighborhood, I used to go by there and just pray for those people. It was just so sad to see all their stuff on the yard. The garage would be open. You couldn't get in the garage. When you recognize this energy of narcissism, sometimes all you can do is pray for them because they're not going to be willing to admit that they have this tendency, this trait of it's all about me, it's all about me, instead of looking at the situation and saying, oh, well, how can I help? Can I I pray for them? Yes. But is there anything else I can do to help this situation? And then you do your be your authentic self, not wanting to control. Again, I wasn't wanting to control, but my mind was like, what's going on here? What's wrong with that person? What's What's out of balance? Why is this room out of balance? So number one, and is this person going through something like depression, which was revealed to be the case, and then just going and giving them a hug and talking kind of brought them back to a level of peace 
and 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 laughter. Actually, at at the end of all this, there was laughter and and peace and resolution of, of and even apology. I had to ask for forgiveness for past mistakes, not this one, but past mistakes that created uh, the the stress and the depression in some on some levels. So everybody was forgiving in the end. Everyone was open to say, I love you. And that's how this situation came to resolution. And that's my, my uh, testimony about how I see you can heal narcissism when you're willing to talk about it to that person. If that person is not willing, which is mostly the case, because narcissists don't think they have anything wrong with them. And that's my experience is you, when you, you can't even point that out that they're a narcissist. What do you mean I'm a narcissist? I don't know. That's when you stop, hold, have a nice day, go your own way. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go into the fear element of this, this narcissistic disorder and how, you, as we all know, this country and the world has been under this fear uh, propaganda that is going is continuing now. We, we're seeing signs that it's continuing. So we want to just be prepared to recognize these things and have conversations, hopefully, and bring us all into peace and wisdom, mainly wisdom, that we're not going to go through this again. We're not going to do a, not another Twilight Zone uh, corona madness if we are prepared. So we'll be right back after these messages. What if you could live to be 120 years old and remain active, healthy, alert, and vibrant? Our bodies are made up of cells that are constantly rejuvenating. So if we take proper care of ourselves, we can literally defy aging. Join us every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time to learn about self-cell care from Susan Essentials on the Female Solution Blog Talk Radio Show. Learn how to help your body and yourself feel rejuvenated each day through proper nutrition, sleep, frequency medicine, and many unconventional methods of self-care. I'm Jody Susan. Join me and my amazing guests by calling in at 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak. We'll help you achieve a breakthrough in your health today. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. 
I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing, where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom.
and uh, it causes your, your, your blood pressure. It can actually create blood pressure problems. Funny thing is my dad had high blood pressure throughout his marriage, married to a narcissist, extreme in many ways, and his, high, his blood pressure was always up. Go figure. That's just one of the symptoms, I think, side effects of living with someone who denies that they are narcissistic, but they demonstrate it all the time. High blood pressure in the other person because they're just enabling and taking the abuse. So we're going to get into the fear part after we take a call here from, I believe it's Baba Kwame Sunhorse is here. Uh, your mic is open. Uh, welcome, brother. Grand Rising, Sister Diata. And, you know, this, everything is in divine order. To wake up, to hear this conversation, you know, and saying, okay, this is what, this is what I'm going to start today in understanding what is narcissism. And it's a mental, they classify it as mental illness, which is, is true. The part of it is, is how does that person become that? They weren't born narcissistic. There were things in which they did not receive as a child that caused right. them to look at themselves in a different way because they decided to say, okay, I'm going to give it to me because somebody else didn't give it to me. And right. in that part, and what you're shared about that person that you're talking about and having their hydrotherapy room in disorder is and especially for women. Women, you know, is a thing to where bathroom is a sacred place for certain women. And the type of women about that is because that's how they have to, to put their secrets in, in, in discharging themselves. The part of it is, is that, what was the reason that person was, was lacking the ability to keep that room in order is because something was out of order in them. That's and right. In that being that it's saying empathetically saying, okay, here, let me, let me straighten this up for you. And, and we can go about the day because even with not even helping that person to, to get that in order, you gave them a moment of, of gratitude and, and being able to comfort them and do that for them. But the bigger picture was is that can I help in the moment for that person, you know, being able to do something for them? It's how we look at allowing, you know, and allowing that person that, that the thing is is that room is still in disorder. So every time they go in there, they're going to go back into that same mindset. And that's the part of of how we choose to do our relationships with someone. If I love someone or if that I see that there's disorder, just do what needs to be done and then move on and don't look at it as, as saying that uh, I, I did this or I did. That, that right there says that we have to look at how we see the world and how I would allow this part and my reaction to it and being of service without looking at, at saying I did this for this and I did that. No, I just did it out of, of that person needed help at this moment. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Kwame, 
for those comments. And, and, and what actually happened is I offered to clean uh, that bathroom, and they said, thank you, but I'm going to take care of it. So, which was glad, I was glad, because this person lives a little distance from me. But uh, I did all, because I, I had a cleaning business for 10 years, so that's what I do. And and I recognize, like you said, the disorder in every room that I'm in. If I'm in a house, I'm like looking around for baseboard dust and all that and like, what's going on here? But yeah, I did offer to actually get them back up to speed. And they said, no, I usually, you know, I usually clean it, but I've just been in a really downward spiral lately. And I, I wasn't able to do that. He, in fact, they told me all they could do was come home from work and go to bed and curl up like a little baby because they were so stressed from work and depressed about what was going on at work. They're, in fact, their friendships and people who didn't have time to associate with them. And when you have someone who's an extrovert and they look forward to social activity and that hasn't been happening. So, yeah, you're right. It, there were a lot of things going on in that person's life that caused them to be so depressed that they neglected that, that part of their life, that room. So I was just grateful that I could go to the beach, you know, that I would have, this would not have happened uh, if I had gone to the beach and the clouds showed up, rain forecast. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is what I was meant to do. So, yeah, thank you uh, for those comments. Because uh, when being gaslighted, I don't know if you've ever been gaslighted. When somebody, instead of taking responsibility for something that happened that they didn't like, they blame you. And tell you, well, you're too, uh, you're too um, critical, or, or you're too um, uh, judgmental. And really, what I would claim, if anything, I would claim that I was trying to control. I was trying to be controlling in a situation, and yet I asked questions. I was real careful <laughs> to phrase my way that I wasn't saying you need to do this, this, and this. I was like, well, what's going on? And why don't you have a house cleaner? I was asking questions. But in the past, I would have said, well, you need to do this. You need to do that, that, this. And I was like, no, I can't do that. See, how can I phrase this in a way that I'm trying to, I'm offering my help if you need it. And it did come off. I know those, that's why I said when I began it, I said, this is what I, I called in and this is what I'm hearing. It's because that's something I need to know to look at myself, first of all, because it's a reflection when when certain things come into your 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 life it's to for me to see how i need to reflect on something because i go back to saying when i was in my addiction i had to own the part of i was a self-centered little mama's boy that's what i that's <laughs> what i acted like when i drank and drugged and so oh. it was overstanding that self-centeredness and what it what it boiled down to is that i didn't get because of the situation my mother was in by herself and five other children and me having to be the oldest and having to care, I didn't get the the part of being a child. So when I got to be an adult, I gave myself that when I drank. I was the center of my attention. I was the center of my world because I didn't get that, that, uh, that loving, caring attention. I had to, to take care of my siblings as a child. Wow. And and that's the only source that reveals that root to us sometimes uh, in nature. I think you especially spend all that time in nature. And I think that's where we get that type of revelation 
uh, about why the root of something. So um, I have this really good video about fear and what is the cause of fear. This guy goes into it in a different way uh, to not just recognize fear, but what is the deeper cause of it. What is the root of all this fear? See, most of us are inclined to trim the branches of fear. Right? I'm afraid of this thing, therefore let me get rid of it. Or let me go to somebody who will help me to be free of fear, of that particular expression of fear. The psychologist, the priest, the analyst, the latest gurus and all the business. But we're not concerning, we're not concerned with the trimming of the tree of fear, but rather to uncover the root of fear. So that when you when you see the root of it and have depth of understanding of the root, then perhaps, then if you have such an understanding and such an insight, then fear disappears completely. It all you're no longer afraid psychologically. Physically is a different matter. Physically, one must be careful. One must be rational, sane, unless you are extraordinarily neurotic, then that's a different matter. But physically, one must be watchful of danger, as you will be watchful of a precipice, as you will be watchful of a dangerous animal. And perhaps human beings are becoming more and more dangerous than any animal. So one has to be watchful of human beings, the terrorists, the politicians. Are there any politicians here? <laughs> and very watchful of gurus. <laughs> and so on and on and on. One understand the watchfulness, the danger, physical. But what is the root of psychological fear? Please challenge, ask yourself. Don't accept my my challenge. Ask yourself. What is the root of all? Don't say, I don't know, and just leave it like that. Or draw some conclusion. If you do, it will prevent you from finding out the root of it. If you say, I really don't know, right? What the root of the fear is, then you start with humility. Then you say, I really don't know what I'm going to find out. But if you start with the arrogance, 
of saying I can solve it. I know I have all the facts about fear. Then you are starting with a conclusion, with a sense of hope, which doesn't mean you must be in despair to ask it. But if you are really deeply concerned with the with the nature and the structure of fear at its very depth. What is the root of fear? Those of you who have read or heard the speaker before, don't say, yes, I know it. That's a cheap trick. Because you have heard somebody tell you that. And that may be the truth, but it's not your, it's not the truth, it's somebody else's. There is no your truth or my truth. But if you accept a statement made by somebody like this person, and say, yes, I've heard that before, but it, haven't all, it hasn't got rid of my fear, then you are living, then Language is driving you. You understand? Language is driving you. Language is using you. But if you are free of what you have heard before, but actually demand now, as you are sitting there, to find out what's the essence, the root, the basis of all fear, then as you don't know, you come to it afresh. You come to it with a certain sense of curiosity to find out. But if you come to it already with some conclusion, well, you, there is no possibility of your understanding the, the root of it. So let's find out together afresh. What's the root of this whole nature and the structure of fear? When you want to find out if you have a motive, that is, I must be free of fear, which is a motive, then that motive gives a direction to your inquiry. So, the motive which gives a direction prevents you from inquiry. This is simple, isn't it? If I have a motive in order to inquire into fear, because I want to get rid of fear, then I have already given a direction to it. Right? Because my desire is to get, ri get rid of it. Not to understand the nature and the structure and the depth of fear. I only want to get rid of the word fear. So, the word fear is driving us. You understand? Whereas, if you look at it, if you are free of the word and say, what, what is this fear which I have lived with for so long? What is it? Is it Time, 
time being, yesterday, today and tomorrow, sun setting, sun rising, which is, is fear the result of time. Something happened which was fearful year ago or yesterday, and that fear of that incident remains. And the memory of that fear, of that thing, is called fear. You are following all this? The memory of that incident which take, took place here or yesterday has left a certain remembrance, and that remembrance says there is fear. Right? So, recollection of a word called fear, we say that is fear. Whereas we are trying to find out, being free of the word, what is the essence of it? Are you following all this? Is it getting too tiresome all this? Okay. What's the root of it? I say to myself, because I'm a very serious person, and I'm, I've got plenty of energy, I must find it out. And I don't want to live with fear. It's too absurd, too illogical, irrational. What is the essence of it? Is it time? So this guy gives us some thought-provoking words, sentences, ideas of what is at the root of it, because uh, otherwise uh, we won't get rid of it. It's like he said in the beginning, if you're just trimming the branches on the tree, the root is still there uh, and, the and the trunk goes into the root and you're still living with fear and you've only trimmed certain circumstances. For instance, all of us can relate to the last three years of the biggest and best fear campaign on the, in history, I believe, of, uh, started with coronavirus. We all got into fear mode uh, with the campaign that continued for three years even and still continues. And I, and I want to give you the latest that I feel is a, a subtle fear element. Then we're going to go to our last break. Recently, I got an email uh, that says, claim your free COVID-19 test. Okay, I'm like, and I started to delete and I'm like, okay, what's this all about? Because it just smelled of fear and propaganda again. And it said, delivered at no cost. Okay, we don't want to pay for anything, but I'm still smelling a rat when I see delivered at no cost. So because this uh, public health, this public health emergency act is going to end, that's what started the fear campaign uh, three years ago, public health emergency. The government declares we've got an emergency. Now, is that not a fear element there? I don't know what is. And then Medicare B, this new email says, well, Medicare B recipients 
are not going to have access to uh, um, accurate results, antigen tests, and all that because this health, this emergency act is going to end. So if you had Medicare, you were able to get test free and all the all this free quote free stuff uh, because we had a uh, public health emergency. And so now they're they're promoting you can get your results of an antigen rapid test to detect SARS-CoV-2. Now just hearing that for some people brings fear. I'm sure. Let me know how you feel. When you hear SARS-CoV-2 uh, COVID-19 test. Is there any element of fear in you when you hear that or read that? And so that's what they're starting. They're starting this mild campaign of sending out new, uh, vague uh, or uh, random emails. I didn't ask for this email. It was in my junk uh, email. But they're sending it out to everyone, whether you want it or not, that we're going to give you free tests to make sure you, don't, you do or don't have COVID-19. So we're still hearing the words. For the lab that for the last three years generated fear, emergency, public health emergency, Medicare. So I want to suggest to you, uh, in getting to the root of fear, is listen to words. How how the propaganda from the government, the news media, and the medical system. I I, I love those the big three since we're working in a three today with the 4282023. The big three I would say are the the ones you have to be mindful of, watch out for, red flag, eyes up, consciousness, is the government, the media, and the medical system. Watch the words that they're using, because this is how their campaign was so successful for the last three years. Their fear campaign caused many people with comorbidities, health problems, to go to their grave, in my opinion. I am not a doctor. And this show is not intended to replace any advice you may be receiving from your doctor. Let me just give a quick disclaimer here. If you have a chronic or acute health condition you haven't been able to resolve, please see your trusted health professional. But the reality, the truth is about getting to the cause of fear is we have to, now we don't have to, we should be, we can be more attentive to words used by the big three, especially. There may be more people or uh, things in your society, your neighborhood that are going to generate fear, but these are the big three, government, uh, media, and medical system. Why? Why would these people continue a fear campaign? Well, it's kind of the uh, Hegelian, I think it's called Hegelian uh, concept of problem, reaction, solution. They they worked this MO uh, for hundreds of years. They, they've developed it, actually, because the guy who actually put forth the principles of the Hegelian, uh, I think it's Hegelian prophecy, pro, uh, process, he didn't intend for it to be used the way it's used these days. But problem, reaction, solution. The evil minds that promote fear use problem, reaction, solution. So we can be very aware and conscious and, and wise about this process, problem, reaction, solution. When you see a problem show up, COVID-19, we got to have a test. You got to have a home test now. You need a home test now, really, because you, you never know if you're going to get COVID-19, COVID-19. They're going to keep repeating that 
I'm guaranteeing you for the next whatever year, however long they think this campaign is working. And then people are going to be, oh, I have a fl- I have a sniffle, my my body aches. Oh, better take a test. And then you go take a test, and it says you have COVID nineteen. And now what do you do? So you're full in on the fear campaign now. At this point, if you decide to take the test when you just have a sniffle, or you're jo- or you're hurting, or you're in pain, or you have the flu. Let's just say you get the typical flu symptoms. What happened in the past? What would you do when you got the flu? Go to bed, get some soup, drink more water, take vitamin C, vitamin C, and more vitamin C. Now, because COVID-19 is actually a fear tactic, you're not going to hear go to bed, take some soup, get vitamin C, as much as you're going to hear you just need a free COVID test. So that is my uh, analysis of the current uh, trunk that we're dealing with in the fear campaign. Remember, he said, if you're cutting off the branch, and uh, actually, this is a branch of the trunk of fear, tree trunk of fear. The branch is COVID-19. That's just one branch because then you have, uh, you're going to die if you don't do certain things. People who are diagnosed with cancer. Oh, my goodness, Uh, the doctor, oncologists especially, are very good at putting you in fear. Once you you have cancer, you're sitting in this office and somebody, you have cancer. And you go into, like, immediate stress mode, fight, flight, fight, flight. What do I do? What do I have cancer? And usually that doctor will say, now, if you, you need to have chemotherapy, you need to have radiation, you need to take this drug, blah, 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 blah. And they say, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, you're going to die if you don't do what we tell you to do. I've heard that so many times. I couldn't believe it when people actually told me their oncologist or doctor told them, if you don't do what we say, you're going to die. So there's another branch of this fear trunk is you're going to die. There's COVID branch over, uh, tree trunk or branch over here. Cut that off. We don't, we don't, COVID's not a disease or a problem. That was a problem reaction solution technique. And then over here, another trunk uh, uh, branch is you're going to die. And both of them are rooted probably in the fear of death, would you say? How, how are you feeling about that? As we look at this tree that we want to pull, this trunk, this tree of fear, it has no green leaves on it. It's just a tree of fear, dark, let's say it's a black tree of fear. And the branches we're talking about, COVID-19, COVID, you got to have a, a test, cancer over here, you got to have chemotherapy. And really, we're looking at maybe the majority of this trunk is made up of fear of death, that if I don't do certain things, or if I do certain things, I'm afraid I'll die. Well, what does that mean? Okay, so we got to take our last break. And if you have any comments or questions about this trunk, especially, what are your comments about living in a world with this trunk of this tree of fear and how do how it affects your health is that you're going to be constricted, your blood's not flowing, high blood pressure, all of the comorbidities that caused people in the last few years to leave the planet and, and now in another realm. But now we're looking at a tree, a tree trunk that for many of us is different, but I would really be willing to suggest the death is the main root of fear that 
that I'm going to die if I don't do this or if I do do this, do this, that death will come to me. And so what does that mean? Let's look at death. What does that really mean? It's different for some. If you are a Christian, death means you might go to hell if you don't know a Savior. There's another fear. Let's, let's just put religion in that trunk. The fear that religion puts on people about dying and going to hell. Yikes. That's a biggie, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, if you're if you haven't accepted someone as your savior, that's a fear element that I removed myself from over the last few years. That I don't want anything to do with that philosophy or that teaching anymore. That says if you don't do a certain thing, you're going to hell. Nah, not for me. I believe in a whole different way that my life is designed to do certain things and the savior comes from a much higher source than a person. So again, I've got to go to a commercial break and I'll be right back after the Oh break. man, God sent the monthly sun bill today. This sunlight is really expensive, especially during this season. I'll probably have to work overtime to pay it. Well, you better pay it on time. We don't want the sun to go out and we're sitting up here all day in the dark. Wouldn't it be terrible if God charged us for sunlight? Well, thank God, the light and heat from the sun is free. So why are we paying such high bills for the energy we use in our homes? Because we don't know how to use solar energy, the free energy from the sun. You can convert your regular home to a solar energy home and save tremendously on your electric bill. Take a look at your electric bill. Wouldn't you like to reduce or possibly even eliminate that cost altogether? Let one of our solar consultants show you how. Call today, 312-849-3456, and schedule a free consultation. That's 312-849-3456. to Sofa Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn you into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Sofa Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. Beata, your holistic life coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? 
When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com and I'm Viato. Oh my God, we're going to die. 
And then, of course, the solution is we got the jab for you that's going to get rid of the, the virus. You won't even spread it anywhere. That was a big lie. And then you're going to survive and be happy and healthy for the rest of your life because this jab is here. Ah, oh, my goodness. Let's listen to CS physiology. You've probably this. heard of fight or flight, which is the response the body has to stress or fear. Let's use the interactive 3D models in Human Anatomy Atlas Plus and Physiology and Pathology to walk through the body's fear response. A chain reaction is triggered when you perceive a threat. First, your amygdala sounds the alarm. The amygdala is part of your brain that, among other things, connects memory and emotion. The amygdala calls upon the hypothalamus, which acts as your body's switchboard, sending signals to the rest of your endocrine system. That's how the message gets to the adrenal glands. You have two adrenal glands, one atop each kidney, and they produce and release hormones directly into the bloodstream. In the stress response, the adrenal glands release epinephrine and norepinephrine. Epinephrine signals a number of changes in the body that you might recognize. Your lungs expand and the rate of respiration increases, so your body takes in more oxygen to deal with the threat. Your heart beats faster. Your pupils dilate and your muscles begin to tense up. The body deems some functions like digestion unnecessary in a dangerous situation and begins to slow them down. If the threat sticks around, the hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal glands get ready for round two. The hypothalamus releases a hormone called CRH, which signals the pituitary gland to release ACTH. ACTH, in turn, signals the adrenal glands to release cortisol, often called the stress hormone. Cortisol helps give the body the energy it needs to stay on high alert for a bit longer by signaling several organs in the body to make changes impacting blood glucose levels. When the threat is over, your body starts to wind back down. Cortisol levels decrease and your body starts to go back to its everyday functions. Want to learn more about the anatomy and physiology of stress? Visible Body website has all the 3D growth and microanatomy models and physiology animations you need, as well as 3D flashcard decks for studying. Learn more at Visible. So what do you need to know about stress? First, you need to know that too much stress not only feels bad, it can actually make you physically sick and can impair your brain, including your memory, decision-making, and how you perform at school, at work, and in your personal relationships. So what is stress? Stress is actually a form of fear. Stress comes from using our mind in ways that make us feel afraid even when there's nothing to be afraid of. You might be asking, why on earth would we do that? First, let's see what these fears are and what they look like in our life. There are two scenarios where fear gets triggered. One is an actual life-death scenario, such as being attacked by a wild animal. In these scenarios, we'll go into fight-or-flight mode, and this is a good thing. The other scenario is that our fear is triggered, but it is not a life-death scenario. This happens because we are afraid of things that won't actually kill us. It's just that our imagination makes it feel like they will. These are things like fear of being rejected, fear of being laughed at, fear of being alone, fear of failure, and fear of not being noticed. When these fears get triggered, and it's not an actual life-death situation, 
our fight or flight system will kick into gear and this takes the form of us feeling angry, blaming, mean-spirited, aggressive, irritated, as well as depressed, anxious, and overwhelmed. The reason we act out like this is because our brain has a built-in alarm system that helps us act quickly to get out of danger without analyzing too much. For example, if a car was racing towards you, you don't have time to start calculating how fast the car is going or how fast you can run. You just need to get out of the way. In order to do this quickly enough, the brain cannot waste extra time analyzing all of the information coming in. So it takes a really fast snapshot and then divides everything into only two categories, threat or non-threat. Once something is seen as a threat, a part of the brain called the amygdala basically gets top command over everything and shuts off access to many other parts of the brain so that you don't spend time analyzing. This means that even when we're in situations like an argument or feeling afraid of rejection or seeing a person who looks or acts differently than what we're used to, there's a good chance your brain will just quickly throw those things into the threat category and you'll act out that threat before the rest of your mind has a chance to analyze it and realize that it may not actually be a threat to your survival. Anytime you find yourself not acting in a confident, loving way, and instead you're saying or doing things you regret, acting mean or angry, feeling hopeless or depressed, it means that you are likely in a form of fight or flight, which means you are not using most of your brain. Some of us have fear systems that are more active or sensitive than others. This can happen when we have spent a lot of time in environments where people are regularly stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, or angry. Like we saw in the last video, the more you use a network, the stronger it gets. The more you're around other people who are stressed, angry, overwhelmed, the more your fear networks will be activated, and the more you will start to build up networks that get stronger and stronger in detecting threat. After a while, a lot of things will trigger your fight-or-flight reaction, even if they're not threats to your survival. In order to not let fear and stress negatively affect your life, what you need to do is override the fear system that might be in overdrive. The good news is that you actually have the power to override this system. The power is built in our brain. It's just that most people have no idea this exists or how to use it. There are three techniques that can activate this override system, and we'll look at those in the next video. So here she's giving techniques, but what's affected by the fear and the narcissism? Because if you're in an environment where you have a personality that is either extreme narcissism or even mild, you're going to be affected by that energy of control and change. And what gets affected? Just minimally heart, lungs, adrenal glands, hormones, and your pupils of your eyes, of all things. And one of the best herbs I would recommend, if I would recommend one herb to manage all that stress is ashwagandha. It's A-S-H-W-A-G-A-N. I've been using this for so long, and I keep it in my purse now. Because if I get in a situation where I'm feeling all that rush of adrenal, all that ashwagandha goes under my tongue. So let me go to one last caller. You got about 30 seconds. 773450, your mic is open. Yes, Grand Rogers. Wonderful show. I just wanted to say this. There's one thing I was interested in because I noticed how people do each other. If somebody comes in the bathroom and they see it out of place, criticize somebody, what is their problem? Why don't we do a flip on that? When you go in someone's house and you see they need some help, why don't you get you some rags and stuff and start cleaning up and helping them? 
That's what I do. When I go in somebody's house and I see they have help, instead of they need help, instead of criticizing, I pick up a broom, a mop, or something and help because they need some help. Sitting around criticizing them from person to person doesn't help them. And if you check it out, why don't you just do that? When you step in when other people feel in what they need, that is what makes life circular. We got to get off that complaining and blaming somebody. Why not help them? You can see they need assistance. Step up. Just help. Then you got a we, us, and our. Sure, appreciate it. Wonderful show. Okay. Let's do it like that, though. Okay. The, 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 what the challenge is in that situation, uh, I believe that's Obadiah, is some people don't want you to do that. I used to go to my dad's house and every year in Chicago, and the pantry was so packed with stuff, I couldn't find anything. And I would clean out my dad's um, pantry, and then later I found out his wife didn't appreciate that because she was the extreme narcissist. So I learned from those situations where you observe something out of order, and if you try and fix it, there are some personalities that will be very offended and critical of you trying to help them. So I learned, thank you for your comment, but I learned from my dad and, again, his narcissistic wife who was on the extreme spectrum here, that and and I, I would go to his house later on in the in the years, and he would I would try I would look at the pantry and it was right back where it was it was all cluttered and she'd have twelve bottles of ketchup in there because she hadn't organized it and she would go to these uh, wholesale places and buy more paper towels because she had, her closets were so packed she didn't know where the paper towels were and if you try and intervene or interfere or try and fix that you get your head cut off. Because narcissistic energies, they want to be in full control. I appreciate that comment, but I learned you don't intervene in things like that unless you get their permission, number one. And unless you step back and ask yourself, is this going to help the person? Is it going to be long-lasting? There's a lot of things to consider when you think you want to go in there and help out. And that's why at the end of the conversation that I shared with you, I asked, do you, would you like my help in cleaning up that bathroom? And they said, no, I'll do it myself. I think I'm in a better place mentally, emotionally to do what I usually do. But because I fell off the wagon and I was depressed, I couldn't do it. But he said, no, I appreciate it. But no, I'm going to do it myself. So that's what we have to consider in every situation Number one, is there narcissistic energy in this relationship, in this environment? If not, tread slowly because you're going to be have your head cut off if you offend that person in a way that you take away their control. Unless you're like the guy we, we listened to early who says, I know I'm a narcissist. I'm getting help, and I welcome your comments. I welcome your help, and I'm going to work on myself. It just doesn't happen too often, but hallelujah, when we find somebody like that, I like to show them and pray. And his wife pointed that out. Usually that doesn't happen. If a husband or wife points out your narcissism, usually you're going to have lots of conflict and arguments because they say, I'm right and you're wrong, and I'm going to blame you for everything. Recognize that energy and either lovingly uh, live with it or get out of it because it is abusive and it will hurt you uh, physically and mentally. So tomorrow, tomorrow is the better day. And, and see that, no, 
we have We've come to the uh, end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solutions Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the female solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can because they have my website www.naimalatif.com. We can help Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, or our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Solution. I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. Here. Thank and you all for global family listening from all around the world. We morning thank you. Showing up is thank our us. family in China. We are Cheshe. Cheshe. Zanyaba. Japan. Zanyaba. Arigato. Korea. Kamsanida. Russia. Spasiba. Germany. Danke. Poland. John Kujung. France. Merci. Spain, gracias. Italy, grazie. Egypt, shukran. Ghana, medasi. Nigeria, eshe. South Africa, ngiabonga. Senegal, jaret. Kenya, asante. Israel, toda. Pakistan, shukriya. Afghanistan. Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the Thank mercy of God and God's blessing. Namaste. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.